Um, it's a real privilege for us to be with you. And as I was praying for our gathering today, I just really felt that, um, you know, our North Campus here is like a beacon for people in the community. That this, I just had a picture of incredible uncertainty in our community, but this was like a safe haven. And, and it wasn't as though it was just this was a physical place, but as you go out from here, you're like a safe haven wherever you are. You're like safe harbours in the storm wherever you are. And uh, the Holy Spirit is going to draw people to you, I believe, in Jesus' name. Well, it's my job to give an overview of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in 20 minutes. So that'll be a miracle in and of itself. So I haven't started my watch yet. Is that all right, Pastor Craig? It's just the introduction. So, um, But you'll, you'll know if you've been on the journey with us, we've, we've been talking about um, gifts of the Holy Spirit, haven't we? We've been talking about fruits of the Spirit. And today I want to give you an over, overall picture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, on Pentecost Sunday, we remember when the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples who gathered in the upper room. At the end of, of Luke's gospel, Jesus said he was going to go to the cross. He died and rose again. And the Holy Spirit, he said, wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit will come and empower you. And on Pentecost Sunday that we remember next Sunday, it's also Queen's birthday weekend, I think. So, um, And it's also the start of our global legacy. So if you're away like we are, we're down in, in Christchurch with the grandchildren next Sunday, so it's going to be good. Um, grandparents will be having fun. I'm not sure about the parents, but the grandparents will be all good to go. Um, and uh, so just remember it's Pentecost Sunday. And so the Holy Spirit comes and empowers the church. And as we think about Pentecost and we think about the role of the Holy Spirit, there are just three things I want to highlight this morning. The Holy Spirit brings conviction into our lives. Anyone remember what a paper map's like? Does anyone use a paper map ever these days? I mean, a younger generation probably doesn't even know what a paper map is. You know, we just push GPS, don't we? I still remember when Gillian and I were trying to find our way. Anyone remember this? Old enough to confess to this. And you're trying to drive somewhere at night and you're following a paper map and you get out the torch and you have a look and then you just try and, you know, so remember the next 10 minutes and then you drive until you've kind of run out and then you have to pull over and lock again. Does anyone remember that? Oh, no, you're all far too young to remember that. You know, with a map, the only way a map works is if you orientate it to north normally. And the Holy Spirit does that in our lives. The Holy Spirit orientates us to God's north, if you like, so we're heading in the right direction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction into our lives. Big difference between conviction and condemnation. The enemy brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. And the difference is when the Holy Spirit brings conviction into my life and your life, there's always God's grace to respond. There's always God's grace to respond. Now, most of the time, God speaks to us through the Scriptures, through the Bible. I say to people, look, if you're not reading your Bible, that's 80% of the time that God speaks to us is through His Word. And the rest of the time, you need to go to God's Word to know what you're hearing. If we're not reading our Bibles on a, on a daily basis, or if it's not daily, on a, on a regular basis, then we're down to angelic visitations, right? Talking donkeys, prophetic words, words of knowledge. Now, they're all good. I'm not mocking a talking donkey if, you know, Jesus wants to bring one of those across my path. But can I encourage us that God's Word is like the cake? You know, icing's nice, isn't it? But you can't live on icing. It's the cake that's the good stuff, Right? 
And so just want to encourage us, the Holy Spirit brings conviction into our lives. And a large part of the time he does that is through the reading of the Word of God. We'll look at special revelation that he brings through spiritual gifts a little bit later on. Secondly, the Holy Spirit brings conversion into people's lives. I'd love our daughter Catherine, who's 28, to come to know Christ. But, you know, I can't, I can't drag her into the kingdom. I can't manipulate her into the kingdom. I can't even persuade her into the kingdom. I can pray. I can answer questions. Um, but, you know, it's a work of God's Spirit to bring people into the kingdom. We're called to be witnesses. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring people alive to the things of God. I remember being at university and I was just feeling really squeezed in my Christian faith. And uh, it was a real time of crisis in my life. And it was a time when I really recommitted my life to Christ. And the Bible just came alive to me in a new way. Anyone else had that experience where you became a Christian, the Bible just came alive to you in a new way? That's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So we think about conviction. We think about conversion. And the third aspect is commissioning. It's the Holy Spirit who commissions us. Remember Peter in the book of Acts? Remember when the cock crowed three times, you know? Cock-a-doodle-doo! That's more of a rooster, isn't it? But it's the best I can do at short notice. I'll have to brush up on my animal impersonations for next weekend with the grandkids. Um, our, our granddaughter, um, Harry, or Harriet, she does a, a mean lion roar, doesn't she? It's quite ferocious. Makes me quite scared, and she's only two. So, <laughs> so good things to happen. So Peter, you know, is intimidated and asked, do you, know, do you know Christ? He says, no, you know, I've never met her. Are you one of his disciples? No, that's not me. And then he's filled with the Spirit, and later on in Acts 2, we see him preaching to a crowd and 3,000 people coming to Christ. What was the difference? He was empowered with the Holy Spirit. So as we think of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, remember the three C's. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, not condemnation. When, when conviction comes into our life, there's always God's grace to respond. The Holy Spirit brings conversion. You can't make a person become a Christian, but we're all called to be witnesses and we can believe the Holy Spirit to bring someone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that commissioning, the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to live the lives that we want to live. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is give us people. Look to the person to the left and the right of you. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they a work of God's grace? Did God do something good when he made them? You don't need to answer that question. The answer is yes. God gives people, the church is people right. And we talked last year when we were talking about the role of the Holy Spirit of ascension ministry gifts. Does anyone remember what they are that God gave to the church, the gift of people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors? Well done. Give that man a chocolate fish if we had chocolate fish. <laughs> That's awesome. Give him a clap. He deserves it. <laughs> you, must have done well. you must have done well at Sunday school too, did you? No, okay, all right. You're a bit of a late bloomer, so that's okay. We can, we can live with that. At least you are blooming, so that's good. Excellent. The gift of people. And there was, uh, these messages um, are on the, um, the website if you want to find those or on YouTube. But you might remember we talked about these different gifts to the church. Look at the church through different lenses. You know, I'm, I'm very pastorally motivated. So when I, when I look at you, I'm thinking about your journey. I'm thinking about how can I help you take another step on that journey to know Christ better. I'm thinking about your families that don't know Jesus and how can they come to know Christ. And so they look like different lenses. 
And uh, there was a very funny video that we showed of Danny Silk. You can look that up. If you need to find it, ask uh, Gems or, or myself and we can point you in the right direction. Uh, Jillian and I have been fortunate to sit under Pastor Sheridan's ministry for a number of years. In fact, I taught Pastor Sheridan at Bible College um, 25 years ago. He would say it was 15, but I said, no, mate, our son is 30 now, and, and he was five when you were at Bible College, so it's at least 25. So, um, and so when we were in Christchurch, it was his apostolic grace that helped us to transition the church. We'd been there for nine years. We wanted to transition it to a younger couple. That's where Pastor Sheridan and Pastor Jan are today with Josh and Liz Van Berkel. And uh, that apostolic grace enabled us to transition that church to a younger couple and to release us into another ministry. So we're living the dream here in Waikato. We live in Eureka. I thought that was only in California. I was talking to someone and they said people used to post letters from Eureka when it had a post office because they wanted to have the stamp, you know, on their stamp. But this came from Eureka. So we don't have a post office anymore, so you can't do that. Um, but that's just an example of that apostolic gift and that apostolic grace. And those gifts are given, not that they might do all the work of the ministry, but that they might prepare God's people for the work of ministry. And so we talked about those last year, and those will be online for you. And then more recently in 1 Corinthians 12 and verses 7 to 11, we've talked about spiritual gifts. These are the charismata, bundles of God's grace. And it says in that passage of Scripture, to each one is given. You know, sometimes I meet people and they say, look, when God was giving out the spiritual gifts, the bag was getting a bit low. And by the time he got to me, I looked in the bag and there was nothing there. But it just isn't true. Because it's not dependent upon me. It's not dependent upon you. These are grace gifts. You don't earn them. You don't deserve them. You just need to be in a place where you need to use them. Funny little story. Jillian and I are at Bible College. We're at the Bible College of New Zealand in Auckland. And um, we were the Pentecostals there. We were, we were next to a couple of good Baptists, Warren and Janine, and uh, in married quarters where you just have a double... Um, a double bed in a room and uh, bathrooms down the end of the corridor. You get the kind of scenario. And in the middle of the night, there's a knock on the door and it's Warren. Warren says, I think Janine's manifesting a demon. Will you come and help? Because we're the Pentecostals, right? I thought, oh, okay. And in that situation, my belief is, Michael, if you got into this all by yourself, you're on your own. But if God, if you've put me in this situation, you've got to come through, right? So we go through and we'd had a little bit of experience, a lot of experience in that area. We prayed very, very simply for Janine and she was delivered of that demon and she went back to sleep. And that was the end of the story. But God empowers us. I'm an orchardist, as some of you might know. We say the best fruit is on the margins of the tree, on the outsides of the tree. You know, that's where the nice rosy red apples are, where they get all the sunlight and, and um, all the moisture and, and can be looked after. And God often comes through in our lives with spiritual gifts when we're on the margins of our lives. I wonder how close I could get to the edge without falling off. <laughs> you know, so when we take a step of faith, when we put ourselves in a situation, can I encourage you? You're visiting friends or family. Have I got a word of knowledge that I could bring? Don't get all spiritual on them. You know, thus saith the Lord, God says. But, you know, look, I just feel that as we're coming together that maybe God wants to encourage you with this. Could we pray for someone who needs healing and believe that God would bring healing into their lives? Could we reach out for a word of encouragement for someone? 
Could we bring a, a prophecy that maybe would unlock something for them? Putting ourselves in those situations where we need to, can, where God can actually use us. Remember that they're sovereignly given. Remember that no one misses out. And the third area that we've been looking at, and I want to spend uh, the most time in this area um, this morning, is just talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So if we could have that slide up, would be great. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. And we read in this passage of Scripture, and we've just finished looking at the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, we can think about the fruit of the Spirit, that they will enable us to live a wonderful life. And it's true, they will. But I think when God is thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, I'm thinking about God in terms of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is that the fruit of the Spirit might reveal more of God's character and nature to others. And so when people experience maybe kindness through Craig, may they experience, Craig is kind, isn't he, Cecilia? Yeah, that's okay. That's a nod from Cecilia. That's a 10 out of 10. Well done. Another chocolate fish. Should I ask your son the same question? Okay, no. That would be stretching faith too much. We won't do that. So, and that could be embarrassing too, which isn't fun. So, but you know, when people experience kindness, the fruit of kindness in Craig's life, they see something of the character and nature of God. How do most people experience God's character and nature? It's through you and I. And so I think it's really important that we see the, the fruit of the Spirit in terms of the harvest. You know, as an orchardist, we were always concerned about the harvest. And, uh, and as Christians, really, there's not too much that we've been asked to do. But one scripture that's really important is the scripture where it says, you know, everything else is summed up by love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And then another scripture, go into all the world and make disciples. God is interested in the harvest. And so the fruit of the Spirit in our lives should be that harvest. Gifts of the Spirit, signs and wonders and miracles, you know, they really help to be signposts of the harvest. We live in Eureka Road. So down the end of the road, Eureka Road. You just have to go down that road and you'll find Michael and Gillian's place. I dare say at the end of your road, you've probably got a signpost. People come to that, they go down that road and they'll find your place. How are signs and wonders and miracles like signposts of the kingdom? They say Jesus is alive and well and he's building his church. And remember when we talked about gifts of the Spirit, we talked about gifts of revelation, prophecy, tongues and interpretation. If I bring a a prophecy for someone, how is that like a signpost of the kingdom? helping them to see that something more of heaven is coming to earth. And we talked about spoken gifts, um, gifts of revelation, sorry, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits. How could a word of wisdom be like a signpost of the kingdom for people? We talked about gifts of, of power, faith, healings and miracles. Again, how could that be a signpost that says Jesus is alive and well and he's building his kingdom? How can you and I operate those that will help people to come into the saving grace of Christ? You know, life is short and every day is a gift from God. So how are you and I using the gift every day to be that fruit that will bring out something of God's character and nature to the people around us?
We're created in God's image to produce good fruit. At the moment, on our little orchard, we're picking Granny Smith apples. They're at the end of the season. You know, when I go up to that Granny, in fact, Gillian and I picked some yesterday, didn't we? Very nice they are too. I would have bought you all one if we had enough, maybe in a few years as we increase production. Um, But, you know, if I went to get that nice Granny Smith apple and there was something, I don't know, something horrible there, I'd be disappointed, wouldn't I? Because I'm going to a Granny Smith. I'm thinking there'd be a lovely Granny Smith apple at the end of the season, tree-ripened, juicy, and if something else would be a disappointment. We're created in God's image, and we're created in a way that God wants us to reflect His character and His nature. So when people taste and see, in fact, I had that kind of phrase in my mind prophetically. Michael, do people see in your life, can they taste and see that God is good? In your life and my life, can people taste and see that God is good because they experience something of the, of the fruit of, of the Spirit in our lives, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Because we're created in God's image and that creation mandate in Genesis 1:26, and God said what He has made was not just good, but was very good. very good. So how do we reflect what God intended in and through our lives? How do we remain fruitful? And I want to talk about this um, in the time that we have left. What is seen is as important as what is unseen. You know, you look at a tree, you'll have to forgive me for these horticultural illustrations. I was a, um, a, an orchardist before I was a pastor. But you know, when you look at a tree, you can look at the, at these, at this, this, the structure of the tree and every, think everything is fine. But what's happening underneath the soil? And if what's not happening underneath the soil, if that's not good, it will affect what's happening above the soil. And it's not too different with human beings. So how are you, proce- how are you processing uh, unexpected trauma in your life? You might think that you're right, but three months, six months down the track, what's happening for you? We need regular nutrition in our lives to stay healthy. I often say to people, I'd rather that you read one verse in the Bible and thought about it then read a whole chapter and never thought about it again. So how do we do that? How are we feeding ourselves spiritually? What does that look like? We need sometimes to reach out to people around us to support us and encourage us in those times when life gets rocky. Have we got good boundaries in our life so that our life doesn't get polluted by people who are not self-controlled, who are not gentle, who are not faithful, who don't display kindness and patience, people who don't have peace and joy and love? So watch out for what is happening underneath the ground. You might think that you're right on the surface, but what's happening underneath? I thought I was all right um, above the surface, and then, but I find you know, when I miss appointments and I forget keys, those are two categories. I think, Michael, you're not as cool and cucumber as you think you are. What's going on for you? So I lie myself down on the couch and say, Holy Spirit, you know, give me wisdom, give me understanding here. What does that look like for you? We need to remember too to be fruitful in every season. Every season in our lives has a redemptive purpose. You know, busyness isn't a problem. It's if you're continually busy that's the problem. So what does it look like for you in this season? And how are you fruitful in this season? I remember when we had young kids at home and Gillian wasn't working. And the only place that Gillian could find peace and quiet was the clothesline or in the bathroom. You know the small room with the throne? Yeah, that was the one. You know, kids could knock on the door, but if it had a lock, at least they couldn't come in. 
And Gillian had to learn in that season, how did she take hold of God? I remember she used to pray when she was putting out the washing. She said, that wash is taking a long time to put out today. Um, as I was looking after the kids or whatever while she was doing it. I hope I was looking after the kids. I remember it that way. Maybe Gillian remembers it differently, so we won't go too far down that track. But how do we take hold of God in the midst of the season that we're in? What's the redemptive thing that God is wanting us to do in that season? Make sure you put the big rocks in place first. Don't know if you've ever seen that illustration about how do you get big rocks, pebbles, sand and water into like a container? And uh, a lot of people, you know, put the sand in first and, and then the pebbles and then the rocks and find that it won't fit in. But the, the way to do it is you put the big rocks in first and then the smaller stones kind of fit around the rocks. The sand kind of takes up the vacuum and then the water fills up the smaller particles again. So what are the big rocks in our lives? Time with God and prayer and reflection. Don't forget about sleep. I'm married to a general practitioner, so I have to say this. Everyone needs at least eight hours of sleep a night. Is that right? Or thereabouts. But most of us, you know, try and get away with less than that. Uh, Physical exercise is important. So 30 minutes of physical exercise a day, how are we doing with that? I mean, it's three out of five. Does that count? Work in your most productive time of the day. What does that look like for you? And and what are the things that are, are important rather than the things that are urgent? Thinking about these things so that we are productive in every season is important. What's the Holy Spirit prompting us to do in this season? Maybe for some of us it's to finish an assignment. Maybe for someone else it's actually going and visiting a neighbour. So being obedient to those promptings and nudgings of God's Spirit. Trusting God in times of pruning. Who likes to be pruned? I don't. Gillian and I did some pruning of this massive plum tree yesterday. There was only one branch that hit me on the head. So um, that, was, that was good. Fortunately, I had my heart hat on, so no sustained damage. But, you know, we're only pruning that tree. We've been pruning it over three years that it might be more fruitful. And we read, don't we, in John 15, 1 to 4, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit and prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So how open are we to God pruning in our lives? Again, if there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit in that area, there'll be grace in that area as well. Will we allow God to prune us so that we can become even more fruitful? And I felt the Holy Spirit was talking to some of us today about past hurts. And if that's you, you won't need to kind of, you know, this... It'll be just right there. You don't have to conjure it up. It may not be relevant for you at all, but I felt for some there are past hurts and the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on those today and wanting you to let them go. And I understand that's a process. It's not a quick fix. Wanting to be willing to let them go might be a better way of phrasing that so that you might experience increased fruitfulness in your life. Is there a fence? Is the past hurts in your life and my life that Holy Spirit is wanting us to let go in this season? And lastly, how do we overcome opposition and discouragement? You know, you have to look after yourself mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually. So what does that look like for you in this season? Sometimes we just think of ourselves spiritually. But did you know, actually, if you're really, really physically sick, you can't pray. You, you just you meet people in hospital and they've come out. I remember um, Pastor Ray said this when he had his kidney removed. He went through a time when he was just so unwell that he was not actually able 
to, to, to mentally and emotionally think about praying. He could pray, I guess, in the spirit, but he just couldn't do that. He needed others to stand with him who would pray for him during that time. So are there things going on for you mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually that God is really wanting to tap into in your life, in my life today? Is God speaking to you about something in your life? Because if God is, God's grace will be there to help you on that journey. And you can ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to know another step to take on that journey. As we kind of wrap this up this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us to become mature followers of Jesus. Allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring that conviction into your life. Remember when conviction comes, it's not condemnation. There's always grace to respond. Remember it's the Holy Spirit who brings salvation into people's lives. We're called to be witnesses. We can't actually bring a person from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So pray for Holy Spirit to do that work as we are for our daughter. May our lives also produce the fruit of the Spirit so that others can experience God's character and nature through us. How's the Holy Spirit being revealed through your life and my life? Taste and see that the Lord is good. When people taste your life, taste my life, do they see something of God's kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? We don't have to be perfect, right? It's not about being perfect. It's just about being open to the Holy Spirit working in and through us, being open to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us with spiritual gifts? Will we step out of our comfort zone onto the margins, close to the edge of the stage perhaps, feeling as though we could fall off? Will we be open to those knocks at the door? Hey, Michael and Gillian, will you come and pray for Janine? Thinking, man, I'm out of my comfort zone. One of my favourite prayers, help me, Jesus. And uh, just trusting that God will give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. God will give you faith to pray for healing, whatever's needed. You know, there's never a situation where there isn't a buzz from heaven. There's never a situation, you know, where, where God can't give you the resources that are needed. It's a work of God's spirit, right? We're just vessels that God can use. Will you place yourself in a situation like that where God can use you?